Oh yeah. Canceled too soon. A podcast. Podcast. About TV. Television shows. That were. That were very, very short. Canceled too soon. One season or less. Oh yeah. This week on Canceled Too Soon. Point Pleasant. Buffy the Morality Slayer. Beverly Hills 90666. Welcome to our pleasantries. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted one season or less. My name is Wim Bibiani. I'm a film critic for Crave Online and Blumhouse.com. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Hi. Hi. I'm Whitney Seibold. Hi, Whitney. Uh, you, you do Morning Zoo, I do KCRW. Mm. Smooth and smarmy. I am a film critic for Crave Online and for Blumhouse.com and for a few other websites occasionally. And and, uh, uh, and people don't have a nickname for me mm. other than Hey Asshole. We also, I get we, that a lot. Yeah, we also we also co-host the <coughs> podcast. Cancel too soon. Uh, wait, we're well, doing that one now. That's the B- one we're recording <laughs> from once we hail. <laughs> the B movies podcast. We do so many damn hail. podcasts. We can't keep them straight. We keep and we keep talking about doing more. Uh, God, why? Why are we doing this to ourselves? Because because we're we're, like twenty four hours a week just uh, recording podcasts. At this point. Uh, uh, you and I are uh, out of our minds. That, that's all. We're, we're just workaholics. We're, we're just we're just trying to push ourselves to the very very edge. <laughs> push it all, to the limit. And we and we do it for you, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And uh, and this week, uh, I we both marathon through kind of a big one. Uh, yeah. l- more episodes than usual. Yeah, we we've uh, you know we started off with cancel too soon, mm-hmm. reviewing a lot of television series uh, that lasted. Uh, one season or less, but or one... usually we do like we we started off kind of small. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't done a lot of really long ones. This is a series that lasted one full season, thirteen episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, in, <laughs> in two thousand five, thirteen it, episodes were filmed, were filmed <laughs> and it, released on DVD. Eight episodes ended up airing in America. In America, elsewhere it has been. Uh, 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 screen in its entirety. It's also played on the Chiller Network in its entirety. Yeah. It is a show called Point Pleasant. It debuted on the 19th of January, 2005. And it aired until March 17th, 2005. It was on the Fox Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was reasonably well received, but it didn't have a lot of high ratings. Mm-hmm. It For the most of, uh, most of its running to most of its airtime, it ran opposite CSI. Uh, Back when that really meant something, like well, I was C- like, I, that was a monster. CSI is still pretty big, but yeah, uh, back yeah. in 2005, it was I think the most popular thing on TV, really. And uh, it, it, it was the Baywatch of 2005. Yeah, well, 2005, there was other stuff. Other big stuff was on TV mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, Alias was on the air. Um, uh, West Wing was still on the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Apprentice. <laughs> Donald Trump was still on the air. In fact, the premiere of A Point Pleasant, which aired on a different night, aired opposite uh, Alias and The Apprentice. So I'm, I'm guessing ratings were kind of low. And ratings were not great. Uh, <laughs> Point Pleasant is a series that was created uh, by Marty Noxon, who had just, I'm sorry, yeah, Marty yeah, Noxon. Mar- Marty Noxon, that's Almost, right. I wanted to correct myself and say Marty. No, it's Marty Noxon. Uh-huh. I'm a big, big fan of Marty Noxon. You know her work uh, from television shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, Mad Men, Glee. Uh, Point Pleasant is not one of her bigger success stories. She is also coming off of another series that she had created that was canceled too soon, or we'd like to find out if it was canceled too soon, called Still Life, which was the story of a family 
recovering from the death of their patriarch. Like, the father's first day on the job as a cop, he's killed. The show took place one year afterwards, and the dead father was narrating everyone's life and seeing how they were turning out. Okay. It's an ambitious idea, kind mm. of interesting. Jensen Ackles uh, started it uh, from Supernatural. Uh, and uh, it did not take off. <laughs> Point Pleasant was also uh, co-created by, before we move uh, on, uh, John J. McLaughlin, who is actually better known as a film screenwriter. He wrote Black Swan, Hitchcock, and uh, Parker, and he also uh, worked on the Cancel Too Soon series Touching Evil, which we'd like to do sometime. Absolutely. Um, uh, this is also loaded up with actors from other Cancel Too Soon series tons. that we've even covered before. Uh, the star of the show, uh, who plays Christina. Yeah, Elizabeth Arnois. Uh, Elizabeth Arnois uh, was, played the teenage... A spaceship pilot in the Warlord, mm-hmm. which we covered on the show. Total uh, coincidence. Did not know. Yeah. That, did not know that uh, that was like that was an overlap. Just D- happened. Dina she also Meyer. she was also oh, yeah. on CSI for about five seasons. That's right. She was. <laughs> uh, you Dina- traitor, Elizabeth Hardwell. You traitor. <laughs> hey, you know. You know what? She saw what was winning. And she's, she's just. It's nothing wrong with being a front runner from time to time. Right. Uh, she. Uh, <laughs> Dina Meyer also stars in this show. She was on uh, Birds of Prey, which we've also talked about on this show. Yes. Also. Uh, she, Seem also, to have moved straight from Birds of Prey to this because they they filmed really close to each other. And you know, anyone else is weird. Also from mm. Birds of Prey, mm. Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul shows up. Who's also in Birds of Prey? He's in like three episodes mm. of the show, uh, but like he's he's in the pilot episode of Point Pleasant, and then he disappears. And you're like, was he supposed to be important? He doesn't show up again to like episode five. <laughs> and it turns out he is, mm. and and we'll 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 get to that in a bit. We'll talk a bit more about the cast uh, in a minute. Point Pleasant uh, was. Before we go too further, it's our first uh, mm. reader submission from our Amazon wish list. That's right. This th- this is uh, from a dear listener, and we were not able to find uh, who sent us this. We, we the, I think, I I think the, I had the, no- down. the notes got mixed up. Let so me see um, if I, hold on. There's one more place in my bay. I want to. I wrote all this stuff down, but uh, and it's all gone. We we like what our- was it from Stephen? Stephen. Oh, thank Stephen. you, Stephen. Okay. I did not have a note like written down, but mm. Stephen. Right, this, uh, uh, this was bought for us yeah. by Steven, so yeah. thank you, Steven, for getting us this lovely Point Pleasant. This is the first we have, one we received, and we've received a bunch already, actually, and, which is yeah, great. We've, uh, but yeah, we, we watched all of these, and now we have uh, things to say about Point Pleasant. Now, the Absolutely. premise of Point Pleasant well, uh, 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 is... Wait, 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 wait. You have something else to say before we get to the premise? No, I just want everyone to take a breath. Everyone just to chill. All right, I want. I don't want to like. I don't want to blow our <laughs> our, our, our wad too soon. Mm. No, no, no. I just want to say uh, our Amazon wishes. If there is mm. uh, uh, a show you want us to cover, mm. that you're concerned we might not cover. Uh, if you send us, uh, we, a lot of people ask, can we donate to the show? Do you have a Patreon? We do not. We have an Amazon wish list, mm. and you can send us DVDs of uh, one season Wonder Television series, uh, and we will cover those as rapidly as we can. There's already a bit of a backlog because. <laughs> You can only do about one a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if there's anything you want to send us, go to Amazon.com, search for lists, cancel too soon, cancel with one L. You can send us in something there. A lot of people have, and you've been wonderful. And if you want to send us yeah. a note, we, we'll read it on the air. we got a whole pile. In fact, the pile is right next to William right now. Right. He's, uh, he's got... Anyway. When, when, when Point Pleasant debuted, there was a, a couple of interviews with Marty Knoxon uh, that mm-hmm. I read. And one of them was prefaced by a quote uh, from then Fox Entertainment President Gail Berman. Mm-hmm. Who said, and this helps set up the show. Okay, I love the concept. I call it Peyton Place meets Rosemary's Baby. It's, and it's probably more like Peyton Place meets The Omen, but gender swapped. Yeah. But yeah. kinda. 
I, I'd say it's it's kind of when I was watching it, I felt it's more like uh, the, the Omen via uh, Aaron's spelling. It, yeah, it, it was a lot of sort of dark satanic magical stuff, but crossed with a uh, primetime soap. Yeah, like lots a, te- of teenagers, a teen, teen primetime soap yeah. from like the 90s. Lots of teens dating, cheating on each other, mm. hanging out in their bikinis, yeah, but we- also one of them is the Antichrist. Yeah. <laughs> which is a great pitch. So, yeah, in the pilot episode, uh, our, our young hero, Christine, or Christina, uh, Christina, Christina, <laughs> she's the Antichrist. Christina Nixon, son of Nick, Satan's son, it's not the all that metaphorical of a stretch. It's not <laughs> I think that. His name not, is actually not, Nick Satanson, but no, no, it's like Nick Nixon. It's Kingston Nixon, N I C K S. Yeah, yeah. So, um, played by James Morrison, uh, an actor who has been in everything. Uh, he was, uh, I think, it was President Bill Buchanan. No, he was the head of CS, uh, uh, CTU. Oh, uh, 24, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for a while. Uh, he was in Catch Me If You Can. He's he's had a long, 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 long anyway. career of character work. But uh, Christina washes up on the shore of Point Pleasant, New Jersey, which is this really kind of tiny little rich cloistered town. Uh, it, it's not like Jersey Shore. It's like uh, it's more like uh, it's, it's 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 more like a uh, like, like a the, like the a Hamptons resort community. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's, it, the idea is that it's very posh, mm. and this is probably the off season. Is the implication? It's a yeah. lot. Of, it's, a, it's a bit sleepy at the moment. But uh, all of the young men are lifeguards, <laughs> and all it's of true. The, and all of the young women are in bikinis. That's their profession, pretty much. Uh, Christina is taken in by well, where? Where do they find her? On the, in the ocean. Yeah, she, she, she's she discovered there's a storm brewing all mm-hmm. of a sudden out of nowhere, mm-hmm. like a hurricane storm hits Point Pleasant. Uh, and while everyone is vacating the beaches, our, one of our heroes, Jesse, mm-hmm. uh, who is played by Sam, Sam Page, Page, who is from David Dakota's The Brotherhood. Yeah. Nice. Just, just, just the first one. I've seen all of the Brotherhood movies. Yes, you have. What there's, are the Brotherhood movies? There's six of them. There's also The Sisterhood, so there's a spinoff as well. Mm-hmm. The Brotherhood movies are a, a whole series of movies about gay warlocks. Yeah. Well, they're straight warlocks, but, but they're, they're really super gay. gay. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of scene. David Dakota's stock and trade <laughs> is getting these hunky boys undressed and just sort of watching them shower for five minute periods. Yeah, just in their skivvies. Yeah. And, and it's wholly inappropriate. The, and the, there's not, like, nudity. And I think that only one of the Brotherhood films, like, two men actually, like, kiss and have sex. Yeah, it, it's, it's homoerotic. Mm hmm. And you would fool no one with them. I've seen enough of them to know. But it doesn't really come out and scream it. Um, my, my point is this guy. Yeah, who was uh, also, you uh, might also remember him. He was on uh, Mad Men for a while. And uh, House oh, of Cards. Oh, and speaking of Mad Men, John Hamm is, is on the show, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, we'll episodes. get to John Hamm. We'll John Hamm John has a Hamm. great cameo on but, the show. But, uh, yeah, Sam Page in, in that... He's a, he's he, a lifeguard. He's, he's hunky. He's a lifeguard. He's hunky, and you know what? There's not much else going for the character. No, he's he's, he's kind of he's he's so good, mm-hmm. like so goody two shoes, boring good mm-hmm. that that becomes a plot point. <laughs> yeah, that like that's all they have for the character. They have to to sort of write it in. Uh, um, he rescues uh, Christina uh, from the hurricane-torn waters. Uh, the roads are blocked, so he doesn't take her to a hospital. He takes her to a nearby house, the house of the Parker family. 
uh, who are consistent. It's, it's the Kramer family. Oh, sorry, the Kramer family. I don't know. Yeah. Park- oh, because I was talking about Parker. Yeah. Uh, McLaughlin wrote Parker. So uh, the Kramer the, family yeah, is. Yeah, the father um, is, a, is a doctor played by. Uh, uh, Richard Berge. Richard Berge, who um, you may also recall from Man and Machine. Uh, ben, ben Kramer, and I keep wanting to call him uh, Rex Kramer. I, Oh, from from airplane, I kept wanting to call him Ben Tramer from Halloween. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, things are not going well for Ben Tramer." And, <laughs> oh, and poor Ben Tramer, who well, Ben Tramer, if you've seen Halloween two, gets killed in the street. Yes, yes, yeah. he does. Like we don't see him in Halloween, but we see him get murdered in Halloween. And by sheer coincidence, he also happened to be dressed up like Michael Myers, and we never yeah, talk so, about it. Uh, the mom is Meg Kramer, uh, and she and their daughter is Judy Kramer, played yeah. by Aubrey Dollar. Uh, the three of them are still sort of smarting from the death of Judy's twin sister from a year before. Uh, Isabel. Isabel. And her death looms large over them. Mm. Mom has been on, uh, uh, medication. Mm. Uh, at first it seems like it might be pretty standard, you know, kind of Paxil's, one of those, just just anti-anxiety medication. Later on, they suddenly, they they kind of blindside you with this detail. It's like, you should keep taking your meds, otherwise the hallucinations will come back. And you're just like, whoa, 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 Yeah, wait, where did that come from? Uh, So she's been, we learn eventually, hallucinating, and that will also come into play. So Uh, they take in Christina, and mm -hmm. they're so taken with just sort of how nice she is and sort of the positive influence she immediately has on their house that they kind of kind of adopt her not officially well, but she lives and they start treating she, her like a family member she she set her story christina's story is that she fell off a boat it's like a graduation day party and her father who is off traveling in india is a very rich man uh can't be bothered to come back and get her. Mm-hmm. So she needs a place to stay for a bit. And they all sort of agree. And even they seem to acknowledge that it's really weird that we're agreeing mm-hmm. to this. Like the oh. show acknowledges mm-hmm. that its fundamental setup is really weird, but it is a plot point because whenever Christina is around, as we see in this episode, people start behaving Strangely, yeah. Jesse no. starts acting uh, even more weirdly heroic and selfless. Mm-hmm. Jesse's girlfriend, Paula, starts acting really slutty mm-hmm. and like sleeps with his best friend, Terry. Right, right away. Like right away, now, first episode. And, and uh, I have this, bi- I have a big problem with TV hunks because I can never tell them apart. I had this problem on <laughs> Shadowhunters as well. Like mm-hmm. just these, like. Is it only TV bo- hunks? It's. Basically, uh, movie hunks too, but yeah, when when you get these sort of like good-looking white guys who have the exact same body types and just like slightly Mm -hmm. different hair, it's like trying to tell the difference between Jason Priestley and and Luke Perry on Beverly Hills 90210. Mm -hmm. For long, it takes you a few episodes to do it. Handsome young white men (laughs) in, in media mostly interchangeable. Some of them are better actors than others, Mm -hmm. but, like, seriously, it just feels like you could take the (laughs) handsome hunks from Gossip Girl and replace Mm. them with the handsome hunks from Point Pleasant, and you get the same show. <laughs> yeah. You have the same I, show, and no one would. In fact, I think they might have. Actually, so I, for a while. I, I couldn't get the story straight for a little while because I was kept kept mixing the characters up. Uh, but anyway, Terry has darker we, hair. Terry has slightly darker, <laughs> slightly yes, darker hair. That's it. That's that's yeah. how you tell the difference. Um, so the, in the, they're so in the, both kind of boring. Is they're my, not very is, is the main point. Terry gets and more interesting. Fa- and in fact, uh, Judy. Uh, poor Judy. I feel like uh, the actress who plays Judy is stuck in the wrong kind of show. Because mm. this is a soap opera. Yes. Uh, and she needs to be in something, I think, quirkier, maybe a comedy. She mm-hmm. has 
character that she's not really allowed to express in a show like this, so she comes right. across as kind of boring as uh, well. Judy is played by Aubrey Dollar, Aubrey Dollar. Uh, mm-hmm. who you may recall from Women's Murder Club. And pizza, she played Pizza Waitress in Failure to Launch. She was Naomi you know, in Children one. of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, that was her I've first s- credit. I've seen that. I've seen that, too. That was a terrible movie, but it's not her fault. <laughs> it's pretty terrible. All right. Uh, uh, she was also on Dawson's Creek for a while. Yeah, and, and it takes a while for the show to figure out what her plot point is going to be. And they kind well, of wedge Aaron Paul in her direction just okay. to make her, just to have, give her something to talk about. So the really. basic idea of the show, mm-hmm. and this is just... The well, hold, of, hold on. Hold on. Let's, let's go back to the, the pilot. I, I'm, I'm just going to give you this. this so right. we're throwing a lot of information at you. I just want to mm-hmm. ground you. Here's what watching Point Pleasant is like. <laughs> You're watching kind of a, 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 a cheesy, kind of sleazy sometimes, uh, teen soap opera on Fox in the mm. late 90s and 2000s. Mm. That's a thing. <laughs> We're adding the occasional supernatural horror element, but Point Pleasant kind of takes a while to decide how soap opera it wants to be yeah. and how supernatural it wants to be. And this is something that Marty Knoxon mm-hmm. even said later on in an interview. She had said that they hadn't quite decided who was going to be good and evil yet. Like, I think they were like, she didn't say this, but I get the impression they were trying to like sort of let the let the audience wonder who's going to turn out to be what. Uh-huh. And she said that she felt the series was finally starting to get somewhere when they finally decided, no, that person's evil, that person's good. Yeah. And then they found focus. Oh, because well, that's, it's kind that's, of that's, all over the place. That's when I started to like the show less, oh, actually. Well, it was, really was, was when, I, when they kind of started to assign allegiances to people. That Then it just became not interesting at all. I, we're uh, going to disagree on that because I actually thought it got more interesting as it went on. Oh, well, So we'll right. have some fun I, with I that. I thought it fell apart pretty soon. Yeah, um, okay. So, uh, it... The, the the big major plot point we haven't gotten to yet is that Christina is the Antichrist. Uh, yes. It's revealed pretty early on. She has a little uh, birthmark in the iris of her eye, so they don't have to do any sort of complicated makeup or do those little wormy things like they yeah. do in The Omen. They don't have to worry about them. Yeah, and, it's only when you do like a super close-up. It looks like three sixes together. Yeah, it's, it's, like, when, it's like, yeah, this radial image. And it bothered me because they said, like, oh, I've never seen that before. And I'm like, I have one of those. <laughs> it doesn't look like it's a 666, but I have a birthmark in my eye. No, you know, a little dark spot, but yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it, a it's a little pattern. Yeah. Uh, and she seems to know that she's the Antichrist. And since she ha- kind of has the the stink of evil about her, uh, she is now influencing those about her. And they're am- sort of amplifying their own personalities and behaving in a much more soap opera fashion. And this is the first soap opera, in fact, that I've seen where the people have an organic dramatic reason <laughs> to behave like characters in a soap opera. And which you got to kind of appreciate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's what I liked about it, that she, whenever Christina enters a room, uh, first of all, she has, like, superpowers that she can't really control. Like, when she gets mad, things explode behind yeah, her. Yeah, every once so, in a while, she's more, like, Carrie than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Like, she's got, she's Just, got she, psychic abilities. Like, she glowers and, and a truck catches on yeah, fire. She's mad um, at someone, like, things will yeah. fall on them. And, and, uh... The her ultimate drama ends up being since she her father was the dark one mm-hmm. and her mother was a human woman, she is now split. She can choose to be the Antichrist and be demonic and given to her dark the dark side of the force, or right. she can uh choose very, very good and maybe use her powers for positive influences and reject the devil. Yes. Uh there's a lot of religious iconography as a result of all of this. There's yes. a local church which ends up being 
the home of this other like we'll talk about that that gets weird yeah that gets a little it turns out that there was a priest at the local church in point pleasant which is actually turns out there's a lot of prophecies that say point pleasant is going to be like really important near the end times and unfortunately this is one of those shows where every single character has like a key role in the apocalypse Yeah. yeah like nobody is just sort of swept up in this they're all very important you know prophesied uh, right. characters in, this in the second episode, episode uh, the character we're about to talk about named Boyd mm-hmm. says do you know how many ancient signs and texts name that sleepy town as home to the greatest coming of evil since the angels fell from heaven and I'm just like how what? many what what like what, what three texts? yeah <laughs> like who what huh like weird that ancient texts would know about New England but well, all right but New, New Jersey in particular yeah uh, so Boyd is a character who ends up being kind of the main antagonist but actually a very interesting figure in the series uh he is working for the devil hmm. uh he's most he's, def- he's, he's kind they say at one point that he's half demon, but I think he started out as human, and they just sort of, like, they put demon in him. He started out as mm-hmm. a human. He is now a uh, has some supernatural powers. Mm-hmm. He can convince people to do what he wants them to do. Like all the all mm-hmm. the sound drops out, and you can only hear his voice, and it's a nice little effect. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also can't be killed, and he comes to Point Pleasant to keep an eye on Christina and keep nudging her towards evil. Yeah, yeah. Because he wants the apocalypse to come, and he knows that it won't happen unless. She becomes evil, but he's also kind of her servant in a way. Yeah, it's like if she if she told him to do something, he kind of have to do it, and it's kind of an well, interesting he's, dynamic. He's the, he's the lieutenant of of her essentially. She's yeah. she's the son of of Satan, or she, she's the son of Satan. She's the daughter of Satan. Yeah, she is, and uh, <laughs> it's a big difference. <laughs> Sorry, I just pulled the phrase "son of Satan" out of my 1970s Marvel comics brain. Yeah, uh, and she's being influenced by this guy from Melrose Place. Uh, <laughs> Who is her servant, and uh, that's the dynamic of the show, and I like that dynamic, and that Mm -hmm. she's the central figure. She is capable of very, very good, and but also not just evil, but apocalyptic evil, literally apocalyptic evil. Yeah, and she is going to, in a teen uh, melodrama milieu, figure out how to sort of suss that out. Because if you look at something like Beverly Hills 90210, that's what all the characters are doing. They're trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong, and they're it's always and they're always making mistakes. But now yeah. her mistakes have much graver consequences. Right. Uh, she also has the you know, like she has powers to like resurrect people from the dead and you know make mm. things explode. So she has to be careful about kind of keeping her teen impulses in check. Right. And I was reminded very early on in this series of Katie Kaboom from Animaniacs. <laughs> yeah, basically. I'm a teenager, and if she gets really, really mad, she explodes and turns into a monster and does a lot of damage. And yeah, eventually a, it, and eventually a, has to be, be be placated. This is the sort of thing, again, Marty Noxing came from Buffy mm-hmm. the Vampire Slayer, and Point Pleasant has a lot of crossover <laughs> audience. Like, a lot of people who watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer decided to watch Buffy, uh, Point Pleasant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can see a, a certain similarities they both have a sort of fundamental underlying metaphor about adolescence. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer was more about fundamentally that school is hell. <laughs> uh, Point Pleasant was much more about coming of age and much more mm. about uh, one's impulses, not just to be moral, also to be religious. And I kind of mm. admire the show also for having that as an undercurrent. There's uh, uh, Jesse's mother in particular mm. is really devout. And that's well, a major plot point. Sarah was played. Yeah. Claire Carey played Sarah. Yeah. It turns out Jesse's mother is incredibly devout. Mm. Uh, and 
the idea that Christina goes to the church for moral guidance. She mm. actually befriends a young preacher, Father Tomas. Mm. Uh, she even suggests praying. Mm. Like, she, she wants to be good. This idea of someone's moral evolution uh, and, and sort of not just growing up physically, romantically, sexually, but also... But spiritually. Spiritually, yeah. there's a good, good metaphor there. Mm. And this is one of the reasons why I did like it more mm. when the series started getting more supernatural. Not because the supernatural stuff was all that amazing. It's mm. stuff we've seen before for the most part. But because the metaphor got clearer. Mm. In the first half, again, it's easy to just sort of overlook... Uh, the fundamental premise of the show uh, in terms of the, that supernatural metaphor and just look at it as an, uh, uh, mm. a soap opera with a few odd elements. Yeah. As it started really focusing on, no, seriously, depending on her mood, she could be evil or good and people could die. Mm. Then it started seeming more relevant, more dramatic, and more interesting to me as its own thing. Ah, That's, well, that was my take it, on it, it. It was when people started having like... If the whole premise of the show is this one character who is constantly being torn, it's about her struggle and how she's growing through this, uh, when you start assigning people definite allegiances, it I think it kind of reduces the characters. When Jesse eventually becomes essentially a servant... We learn er later on yeah. that when Jesse was a boy, he died. Yes. And we have a flashback in, in yeah. episode four. Four or five. They talk about um, the first episode. He's got a mysterious scar, and he mm. was like, "Yeah, no, I was. I had this horrible accident when I was a kid." Mm. And we find out later that he didn't just have an accident; he fucking died. And he didn't just die for like a minute or two. He died for seven straight hours, and he was brought back. And it turns out he was resurrected by holy means, and now he is essentially an, a servant of the angels. If she's and the he's one of Christ, the, he's the pro Christ, not Christ, <laughs> but he's very pro. -Christ. He's very pro Christ, and. <laughs> As such, he's one of the only people who can kill Christina, and surprise, surprise, earlier in the show, they started having a relationship. Right. So now and there's I'm, this, do I kill my girlfriend because she's the Antichrist, or do I hug her because she's my girlfriend? You know, that's mm -hmm. that's well, good team drama. And honestly, the other thing that the show goes into is as she starts, because at first you're just like, well, of course she's going to pick good. You might be tempted for a bit, whatever. Mm. The show starts just fucking getting dark mm. uh, near the end, and we're going to go a little bit more blow by blow with the plot in a minute. But uh, 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 the other thing that I kind of admire the show for getting, especially as it goes on, is it starts dealing with sort of mental health issues. Not mm. just because of uh, uh, the, the, the mother who goes Meg. off for meds, yeah. and it turns out that maybe she's not as insane as we thought. Well, she or, there, there's a really terrific... She goes off her meds and starts having those hallucinations again, but they are actually, like, holy visions she's, now. She's a prophet, it turns and, out, we and find out later on. There, there's, in fact, a scene where she goes into a CAT scanner... And they, like, see a diagram of her brain, and it's so bright, it, like, breaks all the computers, and yeah. it's, it's actually really stupid. I, but I, uh, I, you know what, I hadn't seen that before, and I appreciated that much. Well, all right. And, but, here, but here's the thing here. Mm. What we've got here is we've seen a lot of soap operas, mm. a lot of melodramas about uh, uh, suburban or, 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 or just housewives, mm. if you will. Suburban angst. Suburban angst, but mm. women who are dealing with a lot of different complicated, conflicting emotions, but they're very isolated and they would self-medicate or they would get yeah, a prescription yeah, yeah. and that would be their plot point. Oh, how sad. She's on her meds. She's off her meds again. Mm. And this is arguing that maybe a little madness is good for the soul. <laughs> maybe, you know, that, that's the thing. And as mm. Christina 
uh, starts encountering her embracing her darkness. I loved the last episode because they start. It started becoming <laughs> basically one of those like made-for-TV movies um, about abusive teenagers, yeah, like, yeah, abusing yeah. their families. Like Jim Carrey uh, started I, I, one of those. I like, think it was that, weird. I think it went a, lo- a little too far over the top in the last few episodes. But it's it's like they ran out of ideas, so they just started throwing everything oh, at disagree. us. But. Uh, yeah. All right. But so. Yeah, th- so we had the mom. Oh, and the character we haven't talked about a lot yet is Dina Meyer's character. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dina Meyer, uh, who is Paula's mom, uh, mm-hmm. Paula, the, the, the slutty girl, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is also kind of the town tart in a way. She's a widow. Uh, mm-hmm. She doesn't. And she has her sights set on Ben Tramer. Who uh, I know. Now, okay. I'm, now, now, now I'm doing it on purpose. Okay. Uh, she has her sights set on a married man who they previously almost had a relationship with. And they probably they all went to high school together. They never hooked up, but there was always sexual tension. Early in the series, he there he kind of re, you know admits that there's still sort of tension there, and so she kind of makes it her goal to bed him, uh-huh. and starts about this plan thanks to Boyd, who's trying to get everyone to behave in this evil way, because the more evil that is around Christina, the more evil she will become. Well, she'll, she'll see how shitty human beings are, uh, and she'll start resenting them. Yeah. Yeah. And being mad at them and maybe even wanting to punish them so, and then boom. And I love that dynamic too. That yeah. we have this this agent literal agent of chaos who's yeah. trying to make everybody behave as, as horribly as they possibly can. So he puts it in her it's head to uh get to Ben by befriending Meg and f- forcing Meg into this awkward situation and what I like about her character is that even under that influence, and even when she starts doing all of these bad things, she eventually kind of comes to realize that this is kind of a dick thing she's doing and tries to turn things around a little bit. So she has yeah. an interesting character as well, who's also torn between good and evil. Yeah. Uh, so in episode two, mm-hmm. uh, Boyd comes to Point Pleasant. He sort of starts making his home there, starts mm-hmm. exerting his influence. Um, is this the boat episode or is that? No, like that's the, the that's the third. That's the third episode with, okay. with the flaming ship. So here yeah. the show is start, just starting to sort of we, we, we the first episode introduced us to the concept mm-hmm. uh, of the basic concept, and then the second episode is where we start seeing what Point Pleasant is mm-hmm. because Boyd is really important. And mm-hmm. He's barely in the first episode. So now he's here. We had uh, a priest, uh, like uh, no, a friend of Christina who tried to kill her, so she killed him mm-hmm. with like a stained glass window in a church. <laughs> and it was fucked up, and that stained glass window gets broken like three times. And it's the, really funny. They give the the one of the funniest bit in the show is uh, where Sarah is in church and talking about how she ran this uh, fundraising campaign to get money for the church, uh, the or the new stained glass window at the front of the church, and. Right. He's like, and look, and now it's fixed, and it looks really great, and it'll stand forever. And like something out of a Zucker Brothers film, it just smashes immediately the instant she says that. And her only reaction, the most logical thing, who wants to help with the next fundraising campaign? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, broke again. Another fundraiser. Next bake sale. Who's up? All right. Uh, And then uh, uh, we got uh, episode three. Who's your daddy? Um, and Boyd and Amber are working together to sort of buy up the town. He wants to sort of exert his influence over the entire town. Hmm. Uh, Amber, who is Dina Meyer's character. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, Amber had also uh, convinced Ben 
to come see her in the middle of the night, and she tried to seduce him, and he, like, knocked her away. He put, yeah, pushed her away, and it gave her a bruise on her face. And, and she, she was going to blackmail as, him yeah. with that. And then Boyd says, no, 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 no. Then he'll hate you. Mm. You got to be super nice. <laughs> really get all up in there. Befriend his wife. Mm. The right opportunity will present itself. And I thought it's fucked up. The, the, the first time she kind of goes up to the wife, she, like, gives her a sexy shirt and puts perfume on her. And I, I could have sworn that she was going to end up falling in love with the wife. Mm, that would have been kind of fun. Yeah, that Am- Amber's bisexual, but yeah. sadly it doesn't go there. Episode 3 is also written by Ben Edlund, the Cre- creator, creator of, the- of the Tick. Yeah, <laughs> he's written a lot of TV. He's written a lot of, he wrote yeah. like for Firefly and Angel, mm-hmm. and he's great. Um, we also see Boyd exert his influence on Sarah, even though she's so devout, he's mm-hmm. really interested in her. In fact, when Amber and Sarah, Jesse's mom, mm-hmm. uh, go to meet Boyd to welcome him to the town, mm-hmm. Amber tries to seduce Boyd, but he's all over Sarah oh. instead. Because she's 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 the she's his forbidden fruit or mm-hmm. something. Uh, and she her job is she gives tours around Point Pleasant, which I can't imagine is Happens too often, but it's, it's a thing. It's, and she's giving, talking about the local look, every, color. Every town has local tours. That's true. I just can't imagine yeah. it's. She's doing five a day, uh, but she's she's giving a tour, and Boyd comes up to her and convinces her to just tell the truth. So she starts talking about, and then and this is the time the founder of the town got syphilis and killed everybody with an axe. Now the kids are like, "What syphilis? That's grand. Well, he, I like the violence, but what syphilis? Oh, that was right. Yeah, yeah. that was good stuff. Um, and, and then by the time we get to the fifth episode, oh, we, we, we're skipping over a bit because oh, well. this is also the one where uh, this is also when we meet John Hamm. Oh yeah, John. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Judy's then, in then a car this, accident. This, this two episode arc with John Hamm, and yeah. yeah, Judy's in a car accident. John Hamm shows up, sort of just a cameo. He's one of the doctors. Yeah, it, it, this is before anyone knew who John Hamm was. He's just this really handsome bit player. Mm. You don't know who he is. He's got this fabulous 90s, uh, early 2000s semi-mullet, which mm. weirdly enough is the same hairstyle Aaron Paul has in this series. Yeah, well, it was just a hot hairdo, I guess. I'm just saying, you, just, you look mm. at it, it's looking like they're sharing the same wig. Because they're never on screen together. <laughs> you know what? It's, really it's entirely possible that they did. Um, so, But in this... In this the, the episode following that car yeah. accident episode, uh, John Hamm shows up having sort of been infected by Boyd's evil influence. Mm-hmm. N- kind of seeing that Christina is this powerful evil force and falling into praise of it to the point where he is now kidnapping victims for her. He becomes a kidnapper in that second well, episode. He's, no, he's, no, he's going to become a serial killer is what he wants to be. Well, he wants to be, but... Yeah, he, there's this kind of cool But thing. he doesn't have enough ambition. He, he basically offers to become her acolyte uh-huh. because he says that he has had these urges to do evil things. Mm. And he has always prevented himself from doing it. Why would God tell me to do that? And it's only once the Antichrist showed up, I was like, oh, I'm getting these ideas from from evil. <laughs> I just have to choose evil. Mm. So I'm evil now. Yeah. I brought you this this girl who was mean to you on the beach. I have kidnapped her and put her in the trunk. You, you want me to kill her? <laughs> what do you want me to do, Christina? And Christina says, I know what I need you to do. And then it just cuts to her and she turned him into the cops, which yeah, is well, a little anticlimactic, but it shows that she's not all bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, she, she that's very shocking, you know, that she without really realizing it uh, is influencing others. And I think that's another big, uh, rather good metaphor for uh, mm-hmm. kind of coming of age and adolescence when you kind of start realizing that your actions are deeply affecting others. Yeah. And what you do and say is actually having repercussions socially and emotionally on the people around you. Yeah. Uh, and 
I mean, this is, you know, writ large. It's taken to an apocalyptic degree. But, yeah, I, I really like that. Yeah. Also in that episode, uh, there's a meteor shower party, which I didn't know there was a thing. But I guess it's a thing. There's a meteor shower. <laughs> it's a thing in a, this show. You get a bunch of your middle-aged friends together, <laughs> and you get all kind of boozy and sexy. <laughs> so Boyd invites uh, the Kramers and also Jesse's parents, Sarah, who we haven't really <laughs> talked about him yet. She's married to the town sheriff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they, their relationship is on a shaky foundation. He's prone to anger, but doesn't seem abusive. He like takes he takes it out on other people, and that mm. worries her. And but they, uh, they, they have kind of an antagonistic relationship. And but also, uh, Jesse is not his son, mm. and that has always eaten away at him a bit. And Jesse doesn't know that until he finds out in the future episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. He's concerned that Boyd has a thing for his wife, so they go over to the apartment, and Boyd just needles him a bit until he explodes and says, you're sleeping with my wife, and he has no evidence, and everyone thinks he's crazy. This is also the episode where the Kramers start, like, having sex again. They apparently haven't had sex since their daughter died. Yeah. And which is why he was even tempted to go out with Amber in the first place, and they ever since Christina showed up, they've been feeling a little friskier, which is creepy. <laughs> a little creepy. Um, we also haven't talked much. Christina has uh, Christina doesn't know who her mother is, mm. but she fi- she's found out over the course of the first few episodes that her mother gave her up for adoption. The baby was probably taken from her by force, uh, and she may have been immaculately conceived somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of comes down. There's there's a lot of scenes of like priests looking through old books and looking at you know the, the usual stuff you see in, in Omen and Omen knockoffs. Yeah. Episode uh, the, five is a weird one. Episode five is where the show falls on its face. This is uh, a this is a, this is a dumb idea the, for an episode in general. So the, they want to give a little bit of backstory to Boyd, which a dumb idea. Don't give backstory to Boyd. Make him mysterious. Have him be who he is. Mm-hmm. But we learn that in the past, at some point, uh, in long, the, the Great Depression, l- long ago enough that everything's filmed in sort of muted colors, uh, <laughs> uh, he had a lady love, a woman named Holly, uh, who he uh, he was a human man. He wasn't an agent of Satan yet, and he was in love with a woman named Holly, and they were going to solve all of their troubles by winning a dance marathon. The idea was... This is paralleled in the present by a modern-day dance marathon. Run, hosted by Boyd. Hosted by Boyd. To help fix the uh, the uh, stained-glass mirror that keeps breaking in the church. And there's a scene near the end where somebody near dies by nearly dies by a falling disco ball. Oh, yes. Good okay, stuff. so <laughs> this is a show about... You know, moral uncertainty and finding your way, and all of a sudden we have this plot point about a falling disco ball. We're, we're and talking a dance about, competition. At a dance competition. This is a show about the apocalypse. What the hell are you doing? And not even a good dance competition, like a slow dance competition. Mm. The idea is that in the Great Depression, the rich people in Point Pleasant mm. decided to hold a contest, and all of the poor people would dance for their amusement, and they would dance for days on end, uh-huh. and they would just have fun watching them collapse, and whoever collapsed last got enough money which 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 was a thing it was a thing it's, it's, yeah, a, it's a dance marathon is is a thing it wasn't made thing. up for the show point pleasant makes it out to be like this evil thing the aristocracy did <laughs> uh to the point where it's hosted in the past by robert nepper who was like the evil serial killer guy on 
uh, prison break. No, like he, he, he's <laughs> yeah. obviously playing Satan. Like we never mm. meet Satan in this show, mm. and I suspect we were going to find out it was Robert Nepper because he's too big a face for such a small character he plays. Yeah, it's entirely possible. So Boyd and Holly, they're they're young, they're mm. poor. He keeps convincing her to keep trying. Let's make some money, make some money. Mm. She finally just like fucks a rich guy for money backstage and just says, "Here's the money. I'm tired of dancing." Uh-huh. So he chokes her to death. Yep. And throws um, her over a pier, and, and then Robert while, Nepper comes. Yeah, to while her. while he was in the midst of throwing her off a pier, yeah, like he he's holding the body and yeah, and, and rolled up in a carpet somehow and, and, that and, no one noticed. And and the Satan dude walks up, is like, oh hey, disposing of a body, huh? Hey, I got a job for you. <laughs> and he's not a mob guy. It's well, uh, he's probably he's either Satan or an agent well, of Satan, and presumably that's sort of Boyd's origin story. That's where he got his. Yeah. Name. But there's a, but there's a, here's a cool bit I like there where he yeah. says Boyd is still feeling really bad about it. Like he hasn't yeah. gone completely over to the dark side yet. Yeah. Um, he hasn't in him, but mm-hmm. he's feeling a lot of remorse. And the character, we'll just call him the devil, because I assume he was the devil, but who knows, uh, says, uh, would you rather have her back or would you rather get away with it? Mm-hmm. We assume the answer is he'd rather get away with it. Mm-hmm. Later on, we find out he actually answered, I'd rather have her back. Uh-huh. And then she came she, back. She comes she comes back on the show. And she, she too is immortal, but she's got like a permanent choking like pain in her and, neck. And at the same once, time, once, once a day, a day <laughs> she, she, she has to experience the pain of being murdered all over again. So, the, which is actually a great curse. Like that's a really great, mm. like interest. I hadn't seen that before. I mean, it's, it's kind of an odd concept to fold into the show at this point though, which is mm-hmm. played so much on like human interpersonal dynamics. I think the more supernatural the show got mm. and, the more focused it became on sort of the the antichrist elements the less interesting it became see i disagree with that because mm. i like the supernatural uh, uh as a metaphor and the idea that here is a couple whose relationship was once sweet but then he did something so terrible mm. that she can never get over it and she has to literally relive it every day i thought that was rather potent and when they end it's, up having basically it's, it's, stuck it's, it's living fine, together, it's fine as a metaphor, but it it sucks as a dramatic device. I is my it was point? Cool. Okay. I thought it was cool. All right. <laughs> also, in that episode, yeah. uh, all the kids join the dancing thing. Mm. Christina and Jesse have to dance together, even though they've had this kind of on again, off again romance. And also, it turns out that Judy, uh, the 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 boring sister. The, the, she's she's well, not, kinda, not sister. She actually yeah. brings a lot of charisma to it, but she doesn't have much to work with. She's constantly yeah, like, no. She she uh, like I said, I, she deserves a better show. There's mm-hmm. there's nothing in the character of Judy. Yeah, it's Judy, not the actress's fault. Uh, I actually really like the actress. Judy but, it turns is either just the normal girl, or maybe mm-hmm. she's kind of bookish, or maybe she's supporting Christina, or maybe she's terrified of Christina, and it just seems like she changes more often than is plausible, even for a pubescent teenager. Like yeah. it just there's not a lot of consistency with her character. But she has, but the she has a, well. a boyfriend character because well, she needs a subplot, I guess. The idea is that she and the Aaron Paul character uh, actually he was dating her sister but then he cheated on his sister with Judy, and now he's so racked by guilt that he can't even talk to her anymore even though she'd very much like to pursue a relationship again. Mm. How sad. It doesn't really go anywhere. It, but yeah, It it's, just kind of falls flat. Yeah, like, it just basically, it, look, we had Aaron Paul, we had to use Aaron well, Paul. Well, it, it was, I, I think it was the writers saying, hey, we have this Judy character, and we don't know what to do with, I know, I know, we have this drama about the dead sister and cheating, and, mm-hmm. but yeah, it doesn't really 
build on Judy's character at all. It's just this sort of disposable subplot that is mm-hmm. only existent for like an episode and a half. Yeah. And is never brought up again. Yeah. So uh, Ben and Meg are really on the outs by the end of this episode and to the extent where Amber, in an attempt to steal Ben away, has Boyd throw her down a staircase. Mm. So Ben, the doctor, will have to, to save her, her yeah. again. She only hurts her wrist a bit. <laughs> it's a little, it's a, that's a, that was a big staircase. Yeah. She's hurt. She wouldn't just have sprained her wrist. I, I, I'm I wanna, not buying it. I want to stop here and just give a lot of praise to Dina Meyer as an actress. She's great, and she does not get enough credit. Yeah, she's. She never really got a break. Like she was in a couple of big movies. She was in Starship Troopers, for instance, which is, which where is I'll a big always hit. Remember her from? She was well, it wasn't a big hit actually. It has a big cult following. Well, it was a big following. Uh, yeah. she, but then, like, she tried out other films. Like, I think she was in Dragon Heart, and uh, uh, she was in the first. She was in John, Johnny was real, Mnemonic. You yeah, know, she was in Saw. It was a small role. She was yeah. always just on the cusp of breaking out and never mm. got that big role. Yeah, and she, she was yeah. on Birds of Prey, but that one tanked and she was on this and it tanked and she has a kind of very relatable energy mm-hmm. where whether she's playing a sex pot or she's playing very vulnerable she does both very very well and she's a, a approachable humane actress and mm-hmm. she uh, is one of the more appealing things about Point Pleasant. Yeah, I really dig mm-hmm. her a lot. I, it's a shame that we have to keep reviewing so many of her shows. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, I was I was looking her oh, up. She oh, more? Uh, yeah, yeah. There. In fact, I'm gonna oh, poor I'm Dina. gonna look up the title of it. Hold on a second. If anyone knows um, Dina Meyer, we'd love to have her on the show to talk about all of the the shows <laughs> she's been on that never went anywhere. Um, yeah, she was. Uh, what was she on here? You can do it. Uh, it was the I one. It was the one with Heath Ledger. It was like this fantasy oh, was it Roar? series. Roar. She was yeah. on. She was on that fantasy series Roar with Heath Ledger. Oh wow! Yeah, that's well, what I actually like do when I try. Wait, did Roar? I think Roar lasted too long, didn't it? No, one full season. Oh, okay. There was all, oh, but you know the one I want to track down is Young Hercules with Ryan Gosling as a young Kevin Sorbo oh, that lasted no. one season, but it was like fifty episodes. <laughs> I really want to track that How down. did they do that? Jeez. I don't know. It's amazing. Yeah, oh. D- Dina Meyer has been working so hard for so long, and I think yeah. I think she needs more more her due. She needs mm-hmm. her own series. Well, she's recently started falling into the TV movie angle. She's got like one that came out in 2015 called A Dog Walker's Christmas Tale. All right. Which is not a great rabbit hole to fall down, but you can really make a mark as it. Like, no one knew, sadly, mm. who Alicia Vitt was for many, many years, and now she's like one of the queens of Christmas on Hallmark. <laughs> like, her and Lacey Chabert, mm. they just, like, it's just them just duking it out for supremacy every year. Just get into a huge fist fight over who gets the best Christmas movie. That's really funny. Um,. So, back to Point Pleasant. Episode 6, Secrets and Lies. Because there's a lot of secrets and lies on this show. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Christina Christina tracks down uh, a doctor who knew her mom, uh, and the doctor kills herself rather than, like, reveal anything. Judy and Jesse are following Christina around. They're now officially suspicious of Christina. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the episode, which I think is this one, right? Doesn't it, uh, 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 is this the one where Judy kicks her out? I think that's a little later. Is that a little later? But yeah, Judy ends up yeah. kicking out Christina because Christina's a little too weird. Well, she's, she's like, kind of like messing up her family. Yeah. You yeah. know? Um, at this point, the, the episodes kind of all start blurring together, so yeah. we're just going to be well, kind of general in, about in, it. In, like, episode... It stops being episodic. Yeah, in, in episode eight or nine, it's revealed that, uh... 
Christina has the ability to resurrect people. Mm. Like she can wish people back from the dead. She can essentially mm. make wishes. She does it by and, accident. She, and she yeah, does she, yeah, she does it by accident. She can say like, oh, I wish this person were here. And she resurrects a dead priest. And he turn, turns out he's like this bog monster now. <laughs> he's uh, trying to kill her. Yeah, and, and he tries to kill her. saves her life. And he thinks that they're superheroes together or something. Yeah, well, because it, as it turns out, like, yeah, he, he pushes the bog monster into a flaming building and he walks out and he's unharmed. And it turns out when he's near Christina, he's essentially a superhero. He's, and he's stronger and invulnerable. And I like how much he digs it. He's yeah. just sort of like, dude, this is awesome. Again, we're going to do wonderful things. I wish Jesse were like a more textured, interesting character. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's into being invulnerable, but yeah, every time we see him, he's mm. he's just sort of Blandy McBlanderson. He, yeah. he doesn't have any emotion to anything. He only reacts. Yeah. I wish he was a, a, a more a, a character yeah. with a little more initiative. But Meanwhile, Terry actually it, does it, have initiative. It, it goes to a little bit uh, more of a problem because now this is where allegiances start to form. Right. And this is no longer about being torn or trying to choose the right path. This is about people who have already well, chosen. It kind of, and it turns into this world of moral absolutism, and that's less interesting than moral ambiguity. It kind of felt to me like a Stephen King miniseries about like yeah, a small no, that's, town that's that's actually a really good point. Yeah, like the stand. Or, or needful things. Yeah. Right? And like The idea is it feels like people can be torn out of the way, but eventually they do start falling in one mm. way or another, and it can be very tragic. Terry, Jesse's best friend, mm. slept, slept with Paula, still trying to romance Paula now that Jesse's with Christina on and off. Mm. Um, he ends up working for Boyd. He, he seeks out a job Terry's, with Boyd. Terry's father has an illness. They're kind of hazy about what it is, but the idea is that he's completely incapacitated. He you hasn't see, breathed it, on his own in a long and, time. And he's kind of comatose a lot of the time. Yeah. Jesse needs help taking care of his father because he's a teenager and he's doing it all himself. He doesn't have a mom. Uh, so he starts working for Boyd and he doesn't know that Boyd is working for the devil. He assumes, however, that Boyd is like working for the mob because I guess his dad was involved in some stuff like that. Mm. And he's kind of fine with it. Yeah. He kind of says, I don't know what you're doing if you're stealing stuff or whatever. I, I don't really care. What, what can I do to help? What, what was the name of the sort of the, the yes man character? Oh, the Adam Bush plays Boyd's other assistant. Yeah. Wes. Yeah. Adam there Bush, you, you may recall West from, yeah. he was the, uh, he was Warren on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who ended up being like the main bad guy in season six. Um, and he's just this yes man, yeah. shitty uh, 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 guy who clearly wants to be in league with Satan. And you know he's going to get his comeuppance. And he ends up teaming up with Holly, who comes back and starts living with Boyd. Mm. Uh, Holly, the woman Boyd but, killed, who he used to love. Uh Teams up with her to try to take Boyd down, but it doesn't go terribly well, well and he gets killed. The relationship between Holly and Boyd is really interesting because they clearly hate each other, but mm. they're like kind of bound somehow. By like basically by like marriage. That's the metaphor. Yeah. Here. They're yeah. stuck together forever. They're stuck together. They're unhappy and... forever, but <laughs> in their unhappiness, there is a connection. So like there's... when she's like they, going they, through it... her dying spasm, mm. he does hold her hand. Yeah, like because like, what else am I gonna do? Like, but, it's but there, there's this cool. there's this like weird that. sort of power dynamic because they're constantly trying to kill each other, but at the same time they're like really admire each other's evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, uh, uh, Christina and Judy decide to they put aside their differences. Christina finally tells Judy everything that's going on, and they decide to kidnap Boyd, get him to tell him everything, and kill him. Yeah, like torture him. Which they and do. They, well, they, they, they don't kill him successfully, but, but they, they kidnap him. They give him some truth serum, which works. Which, where do they get that? Like, they make that yeah, seem the, like, the, oh, the, oh, your dad's a doctor. So he has truth that's, serum? Yeah, that, that's that's something that they just sort of fudge. Yeah, <laughs> like, that doesn't work, Point Pleasant. If, if you need, if you need a... 
truth. If you need a serum, you have a doctor character. Mm-hmm. Doctor character equals every serum. You yeah. need a magical elixir, Asian character. Yeah. <laughs> but I like them. I like Judy and Christina teaming up. I like that Christina mm. has someone she can finally confide in. Yeah, yeah. That that brings out the dynamic more. The dialogue gets the, the, funnier the, here. The ties between the two of them are really great, and yeah. that's that's when I actually like Judy the best. Yeah. was when she's actually just sort of interacting with Christina. They're having conversations about how difficult it is. Yeah, they've got Boyd on a chair, mm. and they've got him like tied up with her father's belt, and it's just kind of fun. It's like, oh shit, we're running out of belts. <laughs> Actually, like, we need more belts. William, how many belts do you own? Two or three. Two or three. No man owns 15 or 16 belts. (laughs) I don't care if you're a billionaire and you have walk-in closets. You don't have that many damn belts. What if you, what, what, if you're in the belt industry? Okay, if if it was established that he was previously a belt wholesaler and they had just a garage full of belts, that would be fine. It would be stupid, but it would be fine. There's another interesting thing we find out in this episode, because Boyd finally just, Boyd even just flat out says, I I can't lie to you. Yeah. Like, I I work for you. Like, I, I will never lie to you. And that's one of those old... Uh, evil chestnuts. The idea mm. that the bad guys, Satan, can't lie. He will mm. fuck you. He fuck. He might leave stuff out, but he'll always tell you the truth. Oh. And that's why it fucks with you. That's why it works. But it <laughs> turns out he's at least nine. He's ninety years old. He's not aging, mm. and even he doesn't know how to kill him. Yeah, like he has no weakness. There's no kryptonite. It's like, oh, silver. And Silver's it, the thing. Like, and, nope. and in fact, uh, later on in the show, in fact, in the I think in the penultimate episode, he mm. gets shot in the face. Mm-hmm. And his blood splatters all over a windshield, and then it just sort of sucks back into place. Yeah, which is a like pretty he, cool thing. He actually. remains dead for like uh, like maybe five minutes, and then it just, just <laughs> his head is back. Yeah, uh, Boyd breaks out, threatens mm. to kill Judy. Mm. Christina tells him to stop, and Boyd says, "You only get one. Is this the mm. one you want?" And she says, "Yes." And then he kills Father Tomas. <laughs> but. Why? Why does she only get one? What is what is the I don't know. It's it's just to I, make her It's it's to keep her off her guards, to keep yeah. her feeling like oppressed. Like the more it's it's sort of like when I was a kid I didn't really understand in Return of the Jedi why Luke would even be tempted by the Emperor saying, Yes, feel the hate flow through you because there's, there's nothing, it's this evil emperor guy telling you to do that. There, there's there's nothing to tempt Luke at all. But if you think about it, if you try to put yourself in this situation where it's this feeling of absolute hopelessness, mm. where everyone you know is dying, the rebellion is about to lose, your dad is trying to kill you, mm. it's not a matter of your intellect isn't taking over. Mm. It's it's helplessness and rage. Yeah, he's yeah. trying to he's trying to get her, especially as a pubescent teenager, like Luke is too old for it. But like she's a she's a teenager. She's very young. She's she's still going through puberty for God's sake. She's not in control of all of her emotions. Uh, she's more prone to just sort of lash out. And just lashing out, this is one of the reasons why we impose so many rules on teenagers. We know you're gonna break some of them, but if you do it too much, you're gonna lash out and you're gonna fuck up your life. It's one thing to go to a party and get drunk. It's another thing to go to a party, get drunk, get in a car accident, fuck up your knees so you can't, like, do the sports thing you ever wanted to do. You're never allowed to drive again, and you killed a kid. That's what we're afraid of. We're not worried about you getting a little drunk. We're worried that you're young and you don't understand moderation and you're going to fuck it up. Yeah. And that's what's going on here. Mm. And I think that's what he's trying to push her to do. No, absolutely. It's just be no. irresponsible and dumb. I, I Yeah. No, I, I get that. It, it was just the notion, sort of the dramatic notion that mm-hmm. she only gets to save one person. She's the Antichrist. She's his boss. She should start calling the shots. She, like, but she doesn't know she, she can. She doesn't, she doesn't do know it. she can. But yeah, yeah it, be, it would be nice if she said, no, I, I get, I get, uh, I get 115. <laughs> 
But then that's it. You but can kill it. everyone else you want. Uh, everyone else. But I get 115. Yeah. That was the last episode to air. Mm. Uh, uh, the rest of them aired uh, internationally, where the show has a bigger uh, following. The rest of them aired also on the Chiller Network eventually. And, uh, and the we, rest of them were available on DVD, yeah, which when you they, can now buy. They did release it on DVD before it, it mm. aired in other countries. Yeah. Uh, so we were able to see those following episodes. Mm. And yeah, it was... As I've said, once once we start doing the sort of moral absolutism, it becomes more bogged down about sort of the plot and the mechanics of of the Antichrist and the it's, apocalypse. It it's becomes, like the show gets a little less patient. Like, you got the impression that maybe the apocalypse could have come in season five, and they're like, no, 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 we're going to do it now. Yeah, so there's all of a sudden a mysterious videotape about Isabel's death and Meg starts having more powerful hallucinations and uh, it turns out she's an agent of God and her visions are portents of how to stop the apocalypse. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. the priests in the church and Sarah are leading a ring of ultra holy demon fighters. Well, if, again, they're, they're Catholic, they're, hold on. They're Catholic, and Catholics, you know, there's... Is, a, it, is it Catholic? I thought it was like a... Like, I was I guess, I, guess, no, I guess they have confessions. They talk so, about yeah. the Vatican. Like, okay. their impression is that they're Catholic. And right. the idea is that the Catholic Church knows about the existence of the Antichrist, and there's also the impression that this has happened before. Mm-hmm. That, like, the devil keeps putting out these Antichrists, and we keep trying to stop them. Mm-hmm. So there's this, like, small cabal within the Catholic Church that is dedicated to stopping... The Antichrist. There's a whole bunch of prophecies. There's a bunch of like people who are like specifically designed to be like Antichrist killers. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is, it turns out, that's what Jesse's job yeah, is. His Jesse's role, in all of Jesse's this role is. is to be the one who kills the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and there's a loves lo- the Antichrist. And in these later episodes, there is scene after scene of people opening these ancient cases with the velvet lining mm-hmm. and those specialty specialty openings for like weapons. And every it seems like every character mm-hmm. has one of these cases full of like ceremonial daggers. Oh, I've got one right now. Yeah, just op- let me see your ceremonial daggers. Ooh, that's lovely. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's a DVD case. <laughs> I was hoping I had like a bigger thing around here. It would have been cooler, but um, so 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 that's going on. Jesse is kind of torn by this. He tries to leave town. Turns out, if you're important to the events of Point Pleasant, you're not allowed to leave town. Almost like Truman Burbank, which I kind of wish they'd done more with. Yeah, I kind of because there's well, something if, really again, like, pervasive and creepy about it. That. Was, it was good good of what you said. How they got impatient. That they started pi- piling in so many plot points. Mm-hmm. There should have been a whole episode about how they couldn't leave. Yeah. And they're at the edge. Of, like, the whole episode takes place at the edge of town, and they're trying to leave. And that would have been great. It would have been an interesting drama and about mm-hmm. how they're trapped. And mm-hmm. it would... Would have been very it, hellish. Very Sartre. Yeah. 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 And, and it would have sort of changed the dynamic of the show very gradually. But instead, they kind of rush through it. And I feel like introducing all of these elements, all, like the Christ mm-hmm. kill, the Antichrist killers and yeah. the agents of the church and secret cabals and people shifting light allegiances and visions of the dead daughter, it all happened so quick that it, it becomes contrived. Eh, fair you, enough, you, you but I, t- I like you, that the it, it news becomes, tightened, though. It, like, it, I becomes, like, it, it becomes too writerly and not organic, and it, it loses focus, which was the whole focus of the show. The point of the show was using sort of the, the evil of the Antichrist to as a metaphor for the harm you can do as an adolescent. And but... Once people choose sides, and once once Christina essentially chooses to be evil, yeah. which happens in the penultimate episode. Which she does, yeah. And she, credit for doing it. She credit decides just, there. okay, I'm going to be evil. Like, screw it, I'm tired of this shit. Yeah. 
Well, what, there's a reason for that. Well, we'll get back to that in a second. Mm. You, you talked a lot about how you like the opening, the, the first part of the show, where mm. it's more about the sort of chaos element and sort of a soap opera dynamic. And mm. uh, uh, But for me, the problem with the first half of the show isn't the concept, which is fine. Mm. It's a good idea. I like the From the pilot, like the first two episodes, I was really encouraged. And then it fell off for a bit. And the reason it falls off for a bit is this because those soap opera elements... They're not actually all that interesting for a while. <laughs> oh, there's going to be a boating competition. Don't give a shit. Oh, we're going to have a dance competition. Do not give a shit about the... Stop it with the competitions. I'm trying to steal your wife. And, come on, we've got the Antichrist here. Pick up the pace a bit. Like, do something no, bigger, no, I... sleazier, crazier, Twin Peaksier, needful thingsier. Mm. Do it. Bring on something. And they just never quite... Got there, uh, and so once the once the finally the plot start kicking in, the show at the very least maybe it wasn't the focus they originally planned to have, mm-hmm. but at least it had a focus. At least it seemed like it was going somewhere specific, and that mm-hmm. it was passionate about it, and that everything just started kind of changing. And I kind of liked how this thing that started off as this sort of eh, middle of the road Melrose Place kind of thing people started finding unusual roles that you might have mm. in sort of a fantasy thing where we got to know, like, uh, the mom, Meg. We got mm. to know her long enough as this woman who's just, you know, she's on medication, she's dealing with a lot of emotional problems, and then the idea that, no, she's actually the prophet. It's almost like the way Lady in the Water was supposed to work. <laughs> you know? Like, everyone's filling these dramatic roles oh. that you didn't expect, and I mm. dug it because I got to know the characters more. Um Mm, it, it, the fantasy isn't the interesting part for me. Um, it's yeah, yeah. The 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 fantasy, as as you've said a couple times, is is works more effectively as sort of a metaphor. And I think it. Exp- and I also like that they kept the Antichrist element kind of quaint. Uh, that it it made sort of this gigantic notion of all these fantastically evil creatures doing battle uh, kind of reduced down to something that was a little bit more relatable. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a lot a lot more interesting a notion than simply doing another crazy fantasy thing mm-hmm. where people are doing the, the same archetypes all over again. Someone sent us from our Amazon wish list uh, a DVD of the mm-hmm. 1990s series. I think it was early 90s. I think it was late 1990s. It might have been early 2000s. Mm-hmm. American Gothic. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, have you ever seen that one? No, I think it's a little bit more what you what you liked about this. Okay, it's a show uh, uh, canceled way too soon. I was a big big fan of it. <laughs> uh, uh, basically, about a small town sheriff, and it's kind of the similar kind of soap opera shenanigans. But mm-hmm. it seems like he's the devil. Okay, and he's just pushing everybody. Around. Yeah, yeah. See, that, that's, it, it's that, way more like what you think this should be. If if it's insidious, it's going to be scarier, I think. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to make you sort of look around and see mm-hmm. kind of the insidious way evil operates within your own life. Yeah, I can't relate to cabals of Catholics coming after <laughs> me with ceremonial daggers. But I want to mm-hmm. I want to ask you this uh, again. We're dealing with a lot of religious iconography here. You're not Catholic. You're more religious than I am. Mm-hmm. But you're not Catholic, and these no. are very Catholic ideas. We look at Catholic horror like uh, uh, The Exorcist, the, yeah. the Omen, Rosemary's Baby. It's that always, was, always Catholics. Catholics well, always have the demons. They, we, they, they have the. I grew up Catholic. We have the demons. Like it's way more like dramatic. I think in Ro- a lot of ways. Roger Ebert had a really great, a funny bit. He says like whenever. 
most religions are really good for guiding their flock into the arms of goodness and into heaven, but when demons and the undead lurch up out of your graves, you need a priest on the case. And, and, and Catholics, uh, damn it! And, uh, uh, Roger Ebert, who said he, he was the result of Catholic, he was raised in Catholic schools, so mm-hmm. he, he took a, a bit of pride in that. that it, yeah. it was always Catholics who were fighting the demons. Right. Uh, let's 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 start wrapping this up. So, so, uh, so fin- ben, the final episode. No, no, no. We, we, a couple other things we need to get to before the final episode. <laughs> All right. Ben has Meg committed. Oh, right. There's that. that. He, ben refuses to believe in all this prophecy nonsense. He's a man of science. He only wants to believe what he can see. So he has her committed. He starts kind of gaslighting Judy. So she starts doubting everything that's been happening. It's kind of fucked up. Before she's committed, and the reason she's committed, actually, is Meg gets out and takes Terry's father off of life support, saying, <laughs> you're not dying. You're just being, like, these machines are keeping you from becoming what you need to be, which is another Christian metaphor, if you think about mm. it, the idea mm. of letting someone die mm. or not. What is right? right? What is wrong? And he actually gets up, mm-hmm. and he shows up in the last episode looking different, like his hair has gone white or whatever, but healthy. Mm-hmm. And he just says, he, you know, Jesse, who's torn between the Catholic Church, is telling him to kill somebody, and his girlfriend, who's gonna, who's might destroy the world. And he just shows up and just says, hey, I don't know why I'm the emissary of God either, but he told me to say, he was very explicit about this, thou shalt not kill. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was very explicit. Do not listen to these assholes. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. So... Christina goes full fucking evil, mm. shows up in the, at the end of the last episode, or the end of the second to last episode, just breaks into the Kramer's house. Not, and, not like doors open for yeah. her and yeah, shutters slam shut. She's yeah. moving chairs and stuff she in her mind. She holds them all hostage. Uh-huh. Uh, and she does this because the Catholic Church brought her mom back. Yeah. And she Play, thinks mom's going to help her. Mom, played by Lisa Zane... From Prophet. From Prophet, another uh, cancel too soon. Yeah. But it turns out Mom isn't there to help her. Mom is there to help Jesse kill her. She's so betrayed mm. by the church, by humanity. She's gone full evil. She holds the Kramers, basically not at gunpoint, but at like magic point. Yeah. Like, and like she, like, when Ben refuses to shut up and, you know, listen to and do whatever she says, she like makes him go blind. Oh, she blinds him. And he's yeah. in like enormous amounts of pain. And Meg finally says, Will you just let him? Like, he didn't know any better. Just stop him. She's like, Okay, fine. The pain stops, but he stays blind. <laughs> and then like Judy starts freaking out. It's like, you're, that, you're, we thought you were going to be our replacement sister. Oh, you missed your sister so much. You want me to bring her back? Mm-hmm. And then her sister's rotting corpse, not alive, is just mm-hmm. at the dinner table. Yeah. It yeah. gets fucked up for a while, and mm. I kind of appreciated that. <laughs> it was really kind of creepy for me. It was um, uncomfortable. I didn't know if she was going to kill everybody. Like, I actually felt like the safety was off. Uh, the safety was off. But it, to me, it felt like sweeps. It's like that. <laughs> the well, safety is off on sweeps. Yeah, Anyone can die in sweeps. And it's, it's like. Like I said, I feel like they started running out of ideas, which is why they kind of fell back into this sort of cheap fantasy stuff, mm-hmm. rather than kind of explore what they were starting with those characters. So yeah, it just became action spectacular and things exploding mm-hmm. and things on fire, and mm-hmm. Jesse shows up with knife and <laughs> tries to stab her. Uh, and She ends up killing Jesse. She kills Jesse. Yeah. yeah. That she's not love does Char- not conquer all. She just fucking Char- kills him. Character died, and I think it. By the time they were writing this episode, they knew they weren't coming back. The show had already been canceled. I'll talk to you a little bit about that. So Marty Knox had some comments about it. Okay, it, but it, it it feels like they're just yeah they're just burning their bridges at this point. Yeah. It's like oh well fine we'll just kill the characters. It does end on a cliffhanger, it but ends, it ends on a very definite chapter being closed. It ends on a cliffhanger. It ends the same way Showgirls ends, <laughs> in that. <laughs> This evil character who has wreaked havoc all throughout the the length of the episode goes to 
the city. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at the with same a, way, with a giant flock of evil birds behind her, just yeah. like in Showgirls. Well, Showgirls, just she's in a uh, pickup going to L.A., and right. the pres- the presumption is now she's going to wreak havoc in L.A. Yeah, uh, and then that's where the show ends. She's yeah. going to the city. Boyd mm-hmm. decides to chase after her. Yeah, to the city. What yeah. Trenton? I don't know where no, they're no, going. No, New York. But... She was raised in New York. That's oh, where, going like, to that's New York, where yeah. uh, Nixon was. Mm. She's going back home to the city. Uh, the Kramer family, dad now still blind, mm. mom officially a prophet, and Judy officially a believer, decide that they need to either try to help her or kill her. And they decide to kill her. No, well, they said they're going to do one or the other. They, mm. they, it's going to be one. They gotta, they gotta, I, uh, they're going to go after her. Judy said we we're going to go after her. And I, um, I was under the assumption that had the show continued, mm-hmm. there were going to be like vengeful spirits who are constantly trying to murder Christina. I think if they were going to be. I think there's going to be conflict. I think the mom was going to want to try to make her better. I think mm. Judy was going to try to. And I think and ultimately Ben might have to make that choice. That's mm. my theory about where the show uh, mm. would go at the end. I'm trying to think if there's anything we left out, but that's no, the I, gist I think, of it. I think we got most. There of was it. a good bit towards the end. I just want to say that it was a good fake out mm. where in the last couple of episodes, a lot of characters, some of whom we knew, some of whom we didn't, who were really super religious, started disappearing. <laughs> and the sheriff was investigating. I'm like, oh, is this the rapture? Oh, that's kind of cute. I see where you're going here. Yeah. Turns out, no, no, they had just absconded to be part of this evil religious cult yeah. that was going to like help kill the Antichrist. And my thought was, you know, you faked me out. That was pretty... Uh, okay, that was, well. uh, kudos. That was pretty good. Well, again, I think it's tough to say how much of this they planned out. Because maybe it... It was staged so strongly as this rapture thing that that's mm-hmm. kind of what I thought they were going for. But right. they they sort of changed their mind at the last minute. Maybe they had said, you're canceled. No, you're not. Write one more. Well, crap. We wrote ourselves into a corner. Right. It felt like they were constantly writing themselves out of corners near the end of, of the, just a single season. Yeah. Um, what what was this quote from well, Marty, Marty Knox? Okay, well, there's a couple of things. First oh. off, um, she was talking about in an interview with, um, I think it's Stakes and Salvation. Uh, or at least that's where I found the interview. Mm. Uh, the hardest thing for me on Point Pleasant was I couldn't figure out who was on what side, and for me, the show didn't come to life until we started leading into the fact that the girl was evil, but by then it was too late, and they were already canceled. Yeah. But when talking about the actual production of the show, um, here's the quote she had. Uh, Point Pleasant was a nightmare in terms of network experience and the production, and I just had a baby. So it kind of feels like this weird dream. My nanny would go with me everywhere, and we drove to the location in San Diego in this limousine, and I went to a meeting with the network, and they made me cry, and I got into the limousine weeping, and they took me to a really fancy hotel where I had another meeting, and they made me cry. And my nanny said, what kind of job is this? They cart you around in the most fancy limousine, and you have every luxury, and all they do is make you cry. So that's what I remember when I think of Point Pleasant. That's the day I thought I was going to be fired. <laughs> and it seems to me like it was just it was just a situation where, again, Net- Fox was a network of many a melodrama. Yeah. Uh, and the shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, these like supernatural shows that everyone was talking about, they weren't really getting the ratings. Yeah. Buffy was on the cover yeah. of Entertainment Weekly all the time, but it was consistently like in the 60s in the Nielsen yeah, it, ratings. It was, it was kind, like, of, kind of embarrassing, well, it's, really. It's what you call a cult hit. Yeah, but my point is is that it was a show that, it, these were creators who were very well respected, but they didn't have 
like they didn't they hadn't didn't make Star Wars. Like mm. they couldn't tell you no, we know what whatever and the networks could still say, yeah, but we know what ratings are. Mm. So there's just feels like there's this push me pull you of like trying to figure out what it's supposed to be. Mm. And we run into this problem a lot on Cancel Too Soon, where it feels like the show yeah, maybe had a good yeah. idea. Ru- but Rubicon, then got, Rubicon most most starkly, but yeah. Rubicon got screwed over by this because mm. the pilot is clearly one thing and the rest of the series is clearly another, but they had to deal with the repercussions of a pilot. Point Pleasant seems to me like a show that probably started off with one pitch and then started finding its way towards maybe a longer, more focused, more apocalyptic narrative where it was going to be a little bit more controlled. And I think that could have been really, really cool. And when I think about where the show could have gone after this, I think there's two possibilities. I think we either just go full fucking supernatural The Stand and we start watching the world completely fall apart and this young girl's at the center of it, or... It actually changes and becomes a different kind of soap opera where in the next episode, or next episode, next season, she's out of Point Pleasant. We still call it Point Pleasant because whatever. Mm. But like she's in New York and it becomes more like profit where she's yeah. actually like taking over the family business and she's actually like getting, like exerting mm. herself, like an Ivanka Trump type, rising through the ranks, you uh, know, and then just becoming more untouchable and more powerful in more ways than one. Uh, and this family, like no one believes them. They're like these weird doomsayers. The, the way they burned the bridge at the end of the first season, though, uh, mm. the, the first pitch is, was the more likely scenario. That they were going where, full apocalypse. Where uh, Christina is now the Antichrist. Her only impulse now is to hurt and to harm. And unless she's near Judy, she's mm. going to do some harm. So Judy's going to go up to her, and now Judy is torn between killing her. But yeah, what we're seeing now is this... The same effect in Point Pleasant, but now writ on a larger scale. Now she's influencing entire crowds, and there's riots, and we actually get to see the world slowly crumbling. Now, granted, that's really far from where the show started, mm. but if you think about it, if the world is going to end in an apocalypse, like if you believe in the Book of Revelations, for mm. example, um, it's got to build to that. It's got to start off normal and then get there. Now, granted, probably maybe it happened too fast, but I, I like that progression, and I gotta be honest, a show set around like a biblical end of the world that's not about preventing the end of the world necessarily, that's actually just about showing it. Yeah. Sounds really exciting. Doesn't that sound like a show HBO would do right now and it'd be mm. fucking awesome? Well, I've, uh, I've seen The Stand. That, which yeah. is kind of what that did. And Basically. Long form is six hours anyway. Um, it, was good, it was a good miniseries. Good miniseries. Yeah. Especially um, the first half. Really great first half. Yeah. And that's uh, kind of what the series Millennium did to a, a small degree as well. They did it for a while. They never really... Here's The thing with Millennium is Millennium was always about this group that thought the end of the world was coming at the Millennium. Mm. And then they kind of copped out. Like, it seems like the world was ending and then afterwards, like, oh shit, we got picked up for another season? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that happened in one small town. You said that was the whole world. That well, was one town. It, imagine if that's where the show ended, though, if they weren't picked up for great. that following season, that following season, the best season, series just, finales ever. If they <laughs> just, just let the world it end. end. Yeah, it was cool. That episode, that episode of Millennium, mm-hmm. where you thought the world was ending, that scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. That was a really hallucinogenic, <laughs> weird episode. It was cool. Um, so the question remains: Was Point Pleasant canceled too soon? I would say yes. Okay. I think uh, 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 I, again, I think we can both agree that the show has uh, a problem of focus, but mm-hmm. I think. Uh, as it started figuring out its focus, even though it's not necessarily what you wanted it to yeah. be, it started becoming a, a, a stronger show. It started having a more of a direction. And even though maybe it was a little a cliche, I'm not calling it a classic or anything, uh, even though it fell upon some pretty hard TV horror archetypes mm. that are very, very familiar, uh, there was an intensity to it. I liked the cast. 
Uh, and I think there was a lot of potential for the show to only get better with time mm. and for even those early flaws to feel like an interesting basis yeah. for something even bigger later. Uh, I, I would say no. I think it was canceled at just the right time. Okay. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, even the episodes that didn't air, we didn't need those. Okay. I think it was, you know, by the time we're getting to the dance marathon in episode six, it's like... Mm, that no, no, that no. sucks. I'm not arguing. The dance marathon was stupid. I'm I never got over that. I never got over the dance marathon. And I think, yeah... You, you said that the show was like was was finding its focus. I think the show had a focus and and uh, lost its nerve. It wasn't willing to be a more interesting show about morals and human characters, and fell back on these kind of cheap horror archetypes that made the show way less interesting to watch. Because I've seen this in horror movies and horror series before, and when they try to sort of ratchet up and turn it into sort of action, it's like they're afraid the audience isn't going to be interested in sort of. Dr- interpersonal uh, dramatic dynamics or moral choices Mm -hmm. they have to make it more about fighting and fire and and brimstone and that makes it a weaker show that waters it down with with all of these sort of bland genre tropes Mm -hmm. Uh, i i wanted it to be a much more human show and it started out as a very human show and it became less human as it went on i can appreciate that Mm -hmm. and and i totally get it and this is this is a difference in taste for the most part but Uh, perhaps so but what you said i think is Mm -hmm. interesting because you said that like the show lost its nerve, but I wonder if the issue is this, because clearly this is a show that's fighting itself. Is it going to be more uh, uh, plot, action, apocalypse-oriented, or is it going to be more soap opera-oriented? And the question we may want to ask ourselves is, which of these was the show fighting against? Was it a nah. show that was always supposed to be more plot-centric, mm-hmm. a bit more uh, action-horror-oriented, with a sous <laughs> of, of soap, soap opera uh-huh. or was it supposed to be a soap opera with a sousan of horror mm. and then it lost its nerve because either they, they they struggled to be allowed to do the show they wanted to do or they were doing the show they wanted to do and it shifted mm. it could be either one and given the level of intensity that the show picks up in the second half I suspect they wanted they really wanted it to get more mm. apocalypsy, but that's me. Uh, I it, it that sort of but when when something like picks up on action like that, that feels like studio interference to me. It feels like the showrunners started with something and they said, you know what, we, we need it we need a little more pep, we need a little more zazz. This, we have the Antichrist, we need more action. Right. And so the showrunners like kind of roll their eyes and try to, to figure out what try to incorporate the studio notes. But here's my thing. So this, I think this, the showrunners wanted the what it started out as. I, I would love to find out more about this i couldn't find a, a lot of good material on it uh but when you say that like it seems needs more zazz as a mm. studio note for me given mm. some of the shit i've heard about network tv in like the early 2000s around the time <laughs> when shows like firefly were falling apart the kind mm. of notes they were getting i totally buy that that was just like no keep it like a really generic soap opera that's mm. what people want. We're the sh- we're the network Aaron Spelling built. <laughs> Don't rock the boat. Don't put anything too supernatural mm. in it. Make them fuck. That's all we want. No. Although apparently the network did have more trouble with their uh, with their sexual scenes than they did with their violence. They said you can oh, get more man. more violent or whatever. It's uh, fine. I mean, that's, but that's, like you can't show a woman's bare back. Right. Yeah, that implies that she's naked. Like, you can't D- do that. Dina Meyer shows up nude in one scene. Yeah, and we no, see no, no, her no, no, from no. from the, we don't even see her butt, but we see her bare back. And this is a pretty uh, 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 um, 
it's not sensual or anything like that, but this is a pretty sexy show. There's a lot, oh, yeah, of, yeah. lot of lot of sex. Some of it's a dream, some mm-hmm. of it's not. Um, there's a lot of women un, in in states of undress. Not as much men meet as you'd think uh, for a show that's obviously gearing itself towards young women. There, there's there's three hunky dudes, with, but they don't um, all get hunked up. Two, you know? they two don't of get, them are lifeguards. But there's a not, lot of scenes on the beach. There really aren't as many as you'd think. They kind uh, of forget about that after that's a few true, episodes. That's true. There, there's a couple of hunky young guys who are lifeguards. Seriously. Get them in the shorts, oil them up. Like, that's where they live. That's yeah, your yeah. home now. That's what you do. They should be shirtless 100% of the time. They have a shirt allergy <laughs> that, that only exists at Point Pleasant. I want that thing I've they, only ever seen in, like, Playboy magazines where you've been sitting in the sand and the sand is just sort of lightly dusting you, giving every curve, like, you know, a little bit of definition. Like, that's what I want. I want you frosted like a donut but with sand. <laughs> I want I want more scenes of people in like slight slow motion, kind of whipping their hair out from underwater. It kills and watching, me. That watching the water pour down their bikini clad bodies. That's kill- what Point Pleasant needs more of. It kills me that Baywatch Nights lasted as long as it did because I would, I would love to do that. Wish on this we, show. Same with Alcapulco Heat, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, although I think we can do Thunder in Paradise. <laughs> um, you know, the good bikini shows. Yeah. Ev- everything that came in that great wave of Baywatch. How long do you think VIP lasted? The- VIP? He lasted six years, I think. Eighty-eight episodes yeah, of VIP with time. Pamela Anderson. Mm. Pamela Anderson is a bodyguard. Eighty-eight episodes of Pamela Anderson is a bodyguard. Yeah, look up, awesome, and look up she spies while you're at it. Oh, but, there's uh, a lot of she spies out there with Natasha Henstridge and Kristen Miller. Forty episodes of she spies. Damn it! The one I want to actually find is uh, um, I wasn't with Gina Gershon. Oh, it's like it was like spooks or yeah, not, sneaks not or something like that. Yeah, that one. I actually watched that for a little bit. I actually thought that one was kind of fun. <laughs> anyway, we're off topic. But here, Snoops, but Snoops, Snoops. That's right. Thirteen episodes of Snoops. Hard to find. I'm working, looking for it. <laughs> um, so that that is uh, that is Point Pleasant. I, I hope you enjoyed this little walk down Point Pleasant Lane. Do we have any letters? Oh, uh, oh, sure. Let me, okay. let me let me look them up. Why don't you hype hype our stuff while I look at okay. some Okay, uh, if you like cancel too soon, please subscribe and subscribe on iTunes or the uh, mm-hmm. podcasting thing of your choice. Leave us a review, even just a star rating, really helps us out. Uh, mm-hmm. Really lets us know people are listening. It puts us up on taller on lists and mm-hmm. helps people find it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at canceledcast or at facebook.com slash canceled too soon. You can also email us. It's the same email for both podcasts and the other podcast started first. So it's <laughs> bmovies podcast at g. Gmail.com. That's B Movies Podcast, all one word. Mm. B M O V I E S mm. Podcast at gmail.com. And you can write us in with suggestions. We are always taking yeah. them. We have hundreds, but we're always looking for more. And again, the more you request something, the faster we'll get to it. Mm. Uh, and uh, you can ask us questions, tell us about. Did you watch the shows? Did you watch Point Pleasant? Did you have a thought about it? Or did you know something about it? You know something it worked on? You want to tell us a little story? Mm. Um, all of this stuff is great. You want to just respond to something we said on the show? Ask us a question. Um, we we're happy, happy to do it. Uh, we'll mm. talk about what shows we're doing next in a minute. But for now, uh, let's take a letter or two. Or all right. Um, uh, yeah, well, I'm... You doing okay? You got, so, okay? So, somebody split up a letter, so I'm trying to figure oh, out how this works. So um, okay. uh, Mario writes in and says we should do Worst Week. Uh, so we were sent worst week. Uh, we were sent worst week. Uh, worst week has been a curious one because the star of worst week looks like me. What? He, the, he looks. He looks a lot yeah. like me. The the I'm actor. Okay. The actor that was in worst week. And there was all of these billboards all over town of, of worst week. And uh, the joke was he was 
he was locked outside with no clothes on, and he had like a, a towel or a sheet. Holy shit, his... he does look. Yeah, like he you. looks like me without a so, beard, but yeah. So he, uh, I was seeing. I remember when the show was on because there were billboards all over town that were distractingly like myself. <laughs> like that's me in that show and i was that's really funny. free yeah he says very funny featuring kurtwood smith aaron hayes and talented tv perennial who can't hold on to a series to save his life kyle bornheimer it's 510 on amazon well we have it now yeah we have it now. yeah and john, right. john from cincinnati he says it's 31 cents wow <laughs> so uh we also too sent soon. John from Cincinnati. We'll get to uh, that soon. Gary Bonesteel writes in. Ah. Uh, on the show from January 9th, you brought up Time Gimmick, <laughs> a show that, if it existed, would be covered on Cancel Too Soon. So here's, yeah. here's the history that I was able to dig up on Time Gimmick. This was a show that we invented that we thought sounded funny. Mm-hmm. And now he's now a, he's, a reader he's has it real. a reader has invented the show, Time Gimmick, which he spells T Y M E G Y M M K. Gimmick was a week- I, like t- I like the time was with a Y. It sounds spicy. Yeah, time Gimmick was a weekly animated show that aired on PBS from May twenty third, nineteen ninety one, through November 29th, ninety one. The show revolved around two siblings, Tommy and Eileen, who recently moved from America to rural Ireland to live with their grandfather after the. The death of their parents. So you got a little Dracula the series going on. Alright. Uh, one day while out playing, they found a time-traveling leprechaun named Gimmick. Nice. Nicely done. Sold. <laughs> Gimmick can only travel backward in time. And then takes the uh, and then take them back to the present day, uh, so they can't go to the future. As such, Gimmick takes Tommy and Joanna on historical adventures through European history. The kids get to experience uh, 1957 women's strike in Iceland, Luther's 1905 theses, the invention of the Gutenberg Press, the Dutch Declaration of Independence, <laughs> the De- Declaration of Independence of Spain, and the building of the pyramids. Not technically Europe, but all right. All right. Uh, the intention of the show was to educate kids on the important events of European history, which is to say it's not a surprise when the show did not take off in America. The ratings were middling to low already when on October 19th, the D-Day episode <laughs> uh, aired, which caused serious outcry from parents. Which was uh, referred to as its morbid and graphic nature. After that, the execs decided to let the series finish out and not renew for a second season. Uh, there, in all, there were twenty-six half-hour episodes. Hope you guys enjoyed my idea of what time gimmick could be. I'll make you a deal. If you was make... it canceled too soon? <laughs> yes, but I'm going to tell you this right now: if you uh, make all twenty-six episodes of Time Gimmick, we'll review it on the show. Absolutely, we will. <laughs> we promise. <laughs> Even right, if it gets picked up, right, we'll do it. Write a whole episode. We'll get actors and we'll enact it Ooh, on the show. There you go. Fun, yeah. Uh, we had a con- we do that. We'll do that. We would do that. Sure. Yeah, yeah we'll totally do that. Yeah. What do we uh, got? Uh, that's uh, advice from people we've been having like conversations with, so we've okay. actually uh, responded to a lot of these already. Okay. Uh, this is on the 100 Lives of Blackjack Savage. Oh. The best thing ever. The best uh, The best thing we've ever discovered, yeah, that's for um, sure. Uh, this is from Steven. Hey, guys, I really remember watching the 100 Lives of Blackjack Savage. You guys blew my mind when you brought this up. I had to look it up, and to my amazement, I, I'm like, I remember this. I'm 33 now, so I must have been seven when I saw it. And as I grew up, I would think back to this show about a pirate ghost and the other guy. Thanks for putting an end to this mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people have that. Like, hmm. uh, I was talking with my wife today. We were trying to remember, what was that show about the kid genius and the poem? Hmm. And we're like, Little Man Tate! It was Little Man Tate! God oh. damn it! Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one comes from With a movie, but yeah. Yeah, movie. This yeah. one comes from Jim. Uh, gentlemen, after listening to your 100 Lives of Blackjack Savage episode, I feel the need to mention the most renowned superboat of all, Thunder. 
Oh yes, Superboat. Where you? Where could you find Thunder in Paradise? Of course, I recall watching this show. <laughs> thunder, Thunder in Paradise. Oh God, I recall watching this show as a kid while Hulk Hogan and his wisecracking sidekick fight crime and occasionally leer at Carol Alt while driving the pinnacle of muscle boats. Thunder, the muscle boat. Conveniently, every villain had a speedboat or fleet or found themselves stuck on a one-way street parallel to a canal. <laughs> Look, there's an inlet. There's always an inlet. Or a canal. Or a fjord. <laughs> I did not see it on your wish list and would like to think I am the first to suggest a, suggest such a bunch of shenanigans. Thank you again. I enjoy our little visits. Cordially, Jim. We're looking for Thunder in Paradise. There were a, there were like a, there was like a Thunder in Paradise collection but it only includes like six episodes. Yeah. We got to try to track because there were like 22 episodes of Thunder in Paradise mm. and they had this weird thing where like some of them were released in like two part two parters as like TV movies. Mm. So we need to figure out yeah. How to do Thunder in Paradise, because we want to do Thunder in Paradise. I'm excited at the idea <laughs> of doing Thunder, doing in, Thunder Paradise. in Paradise. for sure. My God. Uh, this one comes from Ron B. Uh, dear B&W, that, why, that's us. That's us. Uh, great job on Casablanca, the series episode. This was one of my favorite episodes so far, along with the On the Air episode. Sadly, I was not able to watch Casablanca, the series, before writing this letter. Uh, though I was able to catch some short clips of it on YouTube. Yeah. However, I'm a huge Casablanca fan. Oh, well, who isn't? Yeah. yeah. So I appreciated the comparisons between the film and the TV show. Do you think we'll ever see another Casablanca TV show? I've heard it floated before. Yeah, Casablanca is a um, thing that like everyone knows, everyone's aware of. It's only a matter of time before they find some way to exploit it. Mm. Um the TV I show is a kind of a natural way to go, provided you don't do what that show did and just get really repetitive. Yeah, yeah. like the Casablanca as a backdrop is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, if we do, here are a couple of ideas Let's I have for it. One, wouldn't Ray Liotta make a really great Rick now? <laughs> He's a little old for it now. Yeah. If you were doing a sequel series, maybe, but Watch, yeah. Watching the title sequence, I couldn't help but think he looked more like Rick than the lead, even though Liotta was too young at the time. Mm. Two, would To Have and Have Not make a better TV show than Casablanca? That's a good question. Mm. It would also work. It, I, it would be a different thing, but yeah, Casablanca would sort of be a little bit more adventure if you used sort of that, yeah, the backdrop. Yeah. Uh, as you probably know, To Have and Have Not was an Ernest Hemingway novel. Yeah. Howard Hawks, his good friend, told him that he could save Hemingway from his financial troubles by directing a film out of the novel, which, Haw which Hawks called That Bunch of Junk. <laughs> as a result, the film is a funny, sexy movie starring Bogart and Bacall that borrows heavily from Casablanca. I was thinking that the film's laid-back, playful energy might serve as an episodic format better than Casablanca. That's a good point. No, that's true. It's a good point. Yeah. Anyway, great job on the show. Thanks. Keep up the good work, Ron B. from the SF Bay area. Thank you very much. Anything else? This is the most boring part these of the podcast. Uh, here we when go. When we look for emails to read. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, this one comes from Tom. Okay. Uh, this is the most interesting part of the podcast. Yes. We read an email. Hi there, Bibbs and Winnie. I'm surprised neither of you have mentioned the early 1990s pilot Tag Team, whose Let's Blame an executive child's, Executive's Child If This Fails origin story, which has a lot more in common with Axe Cop and the recent flop Monster Trucks. More importantly, it was a pilot that was supposed to be slated to be picked up to series before the two companies that co-produced it were caught up in an unrelated lawsuit, and the one episode they made was burned off on ABC the night before the Super Bowl XXV. Wow. <laughs> but wait, I haven't mentioned the premise of the show, which, which is short is... Roddy Piper oh, yeah. and Jesse the Body Ventura <laughs> as pro wrestlers who become cops. 
Yep. The very fact that we have this one episode on YouTube complete with commercials from its original broadcast is something special, which can be quickly and painlessly consumed, well, maybe not painlessly, uh, without having to run through hoops to procure it. If you're interested in another one-season show that incidentally feature pro wrestlers, besides Tequila and Bonetti, I recommend... Wild Side, a 1985 A-Team meets Silverado series featuring Howard Rollins, William Smith, Terry Funk, Kurt Fuller, and a young Meg Ryan, which might have done better if it premiered after the release of Silverado. Uh, I would not recommend, however, Learning the Ropes, a 1988 CTV syndicated sitcom in which Lyle Alzado plays a high school teacher by day and a pro wrestling jobber by night. And a single father to Yannick, Binson, and some girl who was on the original Degrassi all the freaking time. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, I mean, c- Canadian actors, they got around, man. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a <laughs> budding, lucrative industry. Man. Well, the cool thing about, like, that's the thing. If you shoot in yeah. Canada, you have to use a bunch of Canadian actors. Yeah, that's... That's, that's like the rule. Mm, you gotta do that, it. That's because so, yeah. it's government funded yeah. uh, both the actual quality of whatever episodes I have about two thirds of the run and the contents therein are terrible and even as a wrestling fanatic with a camp sensibility I found little value in it thank you very much for the time in this podcast feel free to just read the part about tag team if you want to have this on the air but are pressed for time have a good one Tom thank you very very much mm. Tom Is there? A, we might have time for one more quick one if you can find um, it See a few more suggestions. Have you heard of a cartoon called Tiger Sharks? Yes. Yes, I remember Tiger Sharks. Yeah, we'll look for Tiger uh, Sharks. It was like Thundercats under the sea. They fought a pirate who was afraid of water and stitched together a dragon named Dragonstein. <laughs> 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 that's, that's the whole letter. Um, actually, the one I want to yeah. actually track down. I t- uh, although I it's actually weird because Tiger of, Sharks yeah. w- was fine. I, I I would prefer to track down the far more absurd. Street Sharks, which is about anthropomorphic sharks that walked out of the ocean and became crime fighters or superheroes, I guess. Oh, yeah. I've, I have seen Street Sharks recently. Uh-huh. Let's just say it doesn't hold up terribly well. <laughs> okay. There, however, I'm how, pretty sure that How was, could it? That lasted uh, 40 episodes over three seasons. So we'll oh, you got to be sharks. kidding me. I'm not kidding you. Although, the other one I want to look at, I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> SWAT cats, the Radical Squadron. Mm-hmm. This is the one about two cats who had a a, a Harrier jet and fought mm-hmm. crime. Lasted two seasons. <laughs> Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> look up the look up the opening credits for SWAT cats. It's so cool. Uh, so that, that is that's canceled too soon. <laughs> that is canceled too soon. Everybody, thank you very much for writing in. Again, you can e- email us bmoviespodcast at gmail.com just put cancel too soon in the header so we can find your email more easily Whitney uh, and uh, we will be back next week uh, with another reader submission through our Amazon wishlist we're going to be reviewing Police Squad uh, the films on which the Naked Gun movies were based which yes should disqualify it from the show but I screwed up someone spent <laughs> the money to send us the show so, so we're going to do it now we got to do it and then in two weeks we'll be back with a review of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, the live-action sitcom based on mm. Bill and Ted. Mm. Oh, yeah. There, there were two shows based on Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. They uh, were both called Bill and Ted's and Excellent Adventures. One was animated and one was live-action. We're going to be doing the live-action one because fewer of you have seen that, and also, it's going to be much more interesting to explore. Also, I think the animated one technically lasted two seasons, so uh, oh, okay. we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're out of luck there. And I, then, I remember watching this one, so this is going to be interesting. And then what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to follow us on Twitter. Twitter at CancelCast because the next episode after that mm-hmm. we will be taking a poll for what show to do next. We have a whole bunch of stuff like basically just piling up right now mm-hmm. and deciding like, the order is uh, sometimes a little tricky so we're going to give you a voice on that. You're going to be able to choose between 
Kindred, The Embraced, The Aaron Spelling Vampire Soap Opera, mm. The Dresden Files, based on the popular novels that aired on the Sci-Fi Network. Just recently, too. Yeah. Alcatraz, one of the many uh, uh, post-lost, kind of like lost, but didn't go anywhere shows. <laughs> and Space Rangers, because Space Rangers. Because Space Rangers with Linda Hunt. So those are going to be your options. Uh, we're going to put up that poll sometime this week, probably probably just in the next 24 hours. Mm. Uh, we'll keep it going as long as we can, and whatever thing gets the most votes, that's what we'll do next. Mm. So uh, thank you very, very much for listening. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, and uh, uh, that's, that's a wrap, folks. We'll see you next season.